Praise God. Father God, we thank you again for the opportunity to bring the word of God to the church that you have given us uh, this morning. And I pray, God, for your anointing. The anointing of God breaks the yoke of bondage. And I pray, Lord, that you would speak through me and that, God, we would give you the glory and the honor. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to speak to you for a few moments on a, a sensitive subject. A woman in distress. Last week, you know, I preached about the warfare against women. And this morning, I want to speak to you about a woman in distress. I want to define the word distress. And it means trouble or danger, difficulty, misfortune, hardship, trial, upset, a disturbance, an affliction, a torment, a stress or a worry. Now we know in the Bible it says that we're going to have national and international stress. Luke chapter 21 and verse 25 says this, And there shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars, and upon the earth distress of nations, with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring. I don't want to talk about national stress this morning or international stress, stress as much as I want to talk about personal stress. We're living in an age of stress. The psalmist in Psalm chapter 4, verse 1, in the message version, it says, When I call, give me answers, God. Take my side. Once in a tight place, you gave me room. Now I'm in trouble again. Grace me. Hear me. The psalmist said in Psalm 18 and 6, in my distress, I called upon the Lord and cried unto my God. He heard my voice out of his temple, and my cry came before him even into his ears. Psalm 118 and verse 5, in the King James Version, it says, I called upon the Lord in distress. The Lord answered me and set me in a large place. In the message version, in that same verse, it says, Pushed to the wall, I called to God. From the wide open spaces, he answered. Psalm 120, in verse 1, says, In my distress, I cried unto the Lord, and he heard me. Paul the Apostle wrote to the church at Rome, and he said, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword. He wrote to the church at Thessalonica in 1 Thessalonians 3, 7. He said, therefore, brothers, in all our distress and persecution, we were encouraged about you through your faith. You know what that's saying? Paul was saying that when we were going through our troubles, we thought about you in the church we thought about your faith, and your faith encouraged us to continue our journey with the Lord. Nehemiah the prophet said this in Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 17. He said, Then said I unto them, You see the distress that we're in? You see the distress that we're in? How Jerusalem lieth waste, and the gates thereof are burned with fire? Come, and let us build up the wall of Jerusalem that there be no more a reproach. 
I want to put this in the personal situation. We're all under stress and distress. You could be the greatest Christian in the whole world, do everything you're supposed to be doing for God and loving God, but trouble comes to all of us. Affliction comes to all of us. Hardship comes to all of us. When I was thinking about the verse that Nehemiah spoke and the verse that Paul wrote to the church at Thessalonica about being encouraged by the faith of other people, Nehemiah said, we got to build a wall. And I know that we're building a wall around the city, around the church. I understand that. But we have to build a wall around each other. We have to build a wall around each other. Especially when we're in that moment, when we're pushed to the wall, and there doesn't seem to be any space to move. When the walls are closing in, and the ceiling is coming down, and the floor is coming up, and it's like you can't breathe. We need the help of God, of course, always. But we need the help of brothers and sisters in the Lord to pray and to encourage whatever it might be. A cup of coffee, a cup of tea, a phone call, a card. Just speaking into someone's spirit and saying, I got your back. That's important. I want to talk to you in 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 1 about the cry of a woman. This is a woman in distress, and I want you to really pay attention because God really ministered to me. And I've preached here before. I've, I've preached a lot of the Bible through all the years I've been a minister. But the Lord just opened something up to me. And it was humbling. In 2 Kings 4, 1, it says, Now therefore cried a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets unto Elisha, saying, Thy servant, my husband, is dead. And thou knowest that thy servant did fear the Lord. And the creditor is come to take unto him my two sons to be bondmen. Now we could read that verse there and think, okay, this lady's husband died. He was a prophet of God. He was probably Obadiah, the prophet. And now she's got all these debts and, and people want to come because of the law in place that they could take her two sons to, to work off the debt. Here's a lady that was grieving. Here's a lady that lost her husband, a man of God, a prophet of God a man that risked his life, and I'll show you in a few moments. And she cried. She cried for help. And it doesn't mean she went in the corner somewhere and just shed a few tears. She lost her husband. She lost a dear one. She lost a man of God. She lost the leader of her home. And now she has two sons that are on the chopping block, so to speak, that someone's going to come and take her sons from her. Another great loss. And she cried. And the certain woman, uh, commentators say, was the wife of Obadiah. And, and who was thy servant? She said, thy servant. You know, you, know, you know him, Elisha. He was one of your students. You know who he is. He was one of the 7,000. He's the one that fed the prophets. That's why he was in debt. And I'll explain that to you in a moment. It says, thy servant. Well, well, he was a prophet, Obadiah. A godly man who kept his integrity in times of apostasy. He kept himself, one of the 7,000 that didn't bow to Baal, one that didn't compromise. And it says, the servant, thy servant did fear the Lord. <laughs> A clock's commentary says, his poverty, therefore, was not procured by idleness. <laughs> it's not because the man of God was lazy, and it was not because of wickedness, but it was because of his piety before God 
because he would not comply with the king's way of worship and therefore lost all worldly advantages. You see, some say he was the steward in the house of the king. And he wanted to feed the prophets who were hiding because they were under persecution. And some say that he borrowed money and took out a loan from the king, uh, uh, Ahab's son, and now the loan was being called in. He used the money to feed the prophets, not himself. He, he, he didn't use the money to go buy a new chariot. He, he, he didn't use the money to go buy a new suit of clothes or, or a pair of shoes. He was a man of God. And he cared so much about the prophets that he was willing. And he died. But he died with a debt. Some people say, well, why did he do that? Well, I didn't live in those days of persecution. I didn't live in those days when Ahab and his wife and then his son and all these people, Jehoram, the son of Ahab, he lent money to Obadiah. And Obadiah fed the Lord's prophets in those days. He borrowed money to feed the prophets of God because he would not support them out of the property of Ahab, according to Clark's commentary. He was saying to the king, I have a loan, okay, and I know that I'm going to lose my worldly advantages with you and my perks because I'm not going to bow to your gods. So what happened? He died. And they wanted him to take hold of his sons, and that means to seize them and take possession of them. And they, they were bondmen, and the, and the bondmen wanted to have the loan paid back. And if you couldn't pay the loan back, then your boys were going to come and do some severe labor to pay that loan off, how much ever it was. Here's a woman that was at the end of her rope. She was at the end of her rope. This woman was under threat. She was under siege. She was being harassed and, 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 and brought to the point of fear and desperation. What do I do? My husband's gone. What do I do? I have no money. I have very little in my house. And now I've lost my husband and now I'm going to lose my sons. <laughs> but Elisha heard her cry. Listen carefully. You know, God puts us in humbling situations sometimes when we, we really need to hear the voice of God. And he teaches us to hear the voice of the cry of the human heart. And a lot of that has become sort of ancient and antiquish, so to speak, because people are too busy to listen to the cry of the human heart. We're too busy with our own stuff. We're too busy with all of the things that are going on. But the prophet heard her cry. It was a short conversation because I believe the prophet of God was already prepared by God to minister to this woman in distress. I believe the prophet had a plan of action because he was moving in the spirit and he had heard from God. And so in verse 2, a very important verse, and it says, And Elisha said unto her, What shall I do for thee? Tell me, what hast thou in thy house? And she said, Thine handmaid hath not anything in the house save a pot of oil. Now he's having a conversation with her. And he's on a track here to help her. But look at the communication. She's listening to him. She's not fighting him. 
She's a woman of desperation. And she knows this is a man of God. She knows this is, this is the, the successor to Elijah. This is Elisha. And she's listening intently because she's in great need. And she has confidence in this man of God and his humility because he's taken time to listen to her. He's taken time to hear the cry of her heart. He has seen her tears and he has been moved because Obadiah was one of his prophets, one of his men, one of his soldiers that has gone down. And you take care of those that have gone down who have served the Lord with you. Loyalty. You never give up loyalty. It's so important. So look at this. She was being harassed, brought to the point of desperation. And here comes Elisha. And his name means that God is salvation. God is deliverance. It also means my God is wealth. His name means my God is wealth. And I'm not talking about his name as if we're all going to drive Cadillacs and, and live in mansions. But God is the God of wealth that can supply the need. And that's what his name meant. He, the great prophet who succeeded Elijah. And look what the word says. He said unto her. He answered her. He saw her cry. He heard her cry. He saw her tears. And, and, and the word said means to answer. But it means more than that. It means to say in one's heart. This is coming deep. It means to promise when he said, when the word of God said and Elisha said unto her, he was saying to her, honey, I hear you and I'm going to make a promise to you because my intentions toward you is virtuous and pure and godly and I want to help you. Oh, man, we've, we've kind of lost that in society. We, we, we've kind of lost. How, how can I help you? You, you can go into a store and there's, there's four workers. If, the, if you can find workers standing around with their thumbs in their mouths and you're wondering, can anybody help me here? I mean, you're standing around talking about what on your cell phones in the store. You're getting paid to work and I'm looking for a product and you're just standing and you see me and you're ignoring me. And I want to purchase product from your store to help pay your salary. But you pay me no mind. Because you don't care who I am as a customer. Isn't it sad uh, how society has come to this place of depravity? Okay. The word said here, his reply came from the heart. It, it was heartfelt and caring. He didn't blow her off. Come on, lady. I'm, I'm busy. I got things to do. Do you know who I am? I'm Elisha. No. He stopped. This woman was in distress. This woman needed someone to comfort her. This, this woman was alone. This, this woman had nobody. She had no one to care for her at this moment. His response was intentional and not lip service. So many times people give lip service. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, I heard about that. I'll pray for that, yeah. No, no. No, we're getting down to the time, my friends, when there has to be a soul bond between Christians. There has to be a loyalty. There, you, there has to come a place where our shoulders are so close together that you can't slip a dollar bill between our shoulders. That's coming to that, my friend. You see it happening. They're dividing us. They, they, try, they try all kinds of methods to divide the American people, and some people get sucked right into it. 
They fall for it. And they're trying to divide us. This is a great country. And it's still a great country. And we have helped millions and millions of people throughout the ages with food and medicine and doctors and, and, and engineers and digging wells for people and so on and so forth. And they're trying to make out like we're some bad people. No, we're not. We're not. Most people in America who live normal lives just want to go to work, raise their families, and get along with each other. That's all we want. We're not asking for too much. We're not asking to be fighting. We're not, we're not trying to fight here. We're, we're just trying to make a living. We're trying to, trying to raise our children and our grandchildren and, and, and just go about our daily business and, and, and do our work for society and, and help people become better. That's what people are trying to do. But they're dividing us into camps. And it's sad that the elite would try that and try to divide us and cause such division in our country. He saw this woman was in distress and he, he took the time to acknowledge her. People don't acknowledge people anymore. They don't look into the eyes of people. They're, they're, they're too busy looking at a phone. They're, they're too busy, oh, I gotta go, I gotta go do. But listen, did, did you know why God put that person in your, in your, in your path right now? You, you think it was just to blow them off? You think it was just like, hey, I'll see you later? When they're trying to tell you something that's going on in their life and they're pouring their heart out to you and, and you're walking away and, and you, what are you saying to the person with nonverbal communication? You're saying, I don't really care about you. I don't really give a flying leap about your problem. I got my own problems. Oh, now wait a minute. What happened to the, to, to, to the phrase, I care? What happened to the place of we care? What, what, what happened to that? What, what happened to care and concern and compassion? When Jesus came, he didn't blow people off. He, the, the children flocked to him. People came to him. People who were in sin came to him. And, and he comforted them and he loved them and he forgave them. And he, and he, he put his hands upon them. He took time to, to take the disciples and sit under a tree and teach them God, about God. He cared. He went about doing good. Killing all of those that were oppressed of the devil. And there's such oppression in our society today, in our families. You, you know, folks, let's be honest. The pressures in our homes, the, the pressures to, to raise children, the pressures to try to keep everybody on track, it, it, it's phenomenal. And, and it's stressful. And, 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 and it's, it takes the life out of people sometimes. And we come here for a refuge as a church. We, we come here for, for, to, to, to take a breather. To, to, to renew ourselves before God. This, this is kind of like, you know, going down to the lake and putting your, your feet in the lake and, and just, just listening to the water and the birds singing in the trees. This is our haven. Because when you go back out there, it's a war. It's a fight. It's a fight with, with the schools and, and, and the laws and the regulations and, 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 and all this stuff that's going on. And, and who, who says this? And then this one says something different. And, and people have no clue what they're supposed to be doing. Double standards, double talk. They talk out of one side of the mouth here and then the other side of the mouth here. And, and, and the left and the right doesn't even know what's going on. Everybody has their different opinions in high office, like they're dictators. <laughs> You're going to do this. Wait a minute. What happened to the Constitution? What happened to the Bill of Rights? What happened to the laws? What, what, what happened to my freedom? Come on, man. Why do we fight against the King of England? Why? why? 
Because he was tyrannical. He was tyrannical. He was putting debt. He was, he was putting taxes on the people. And finally, at the Boston Tea Party, they said, you know what? We don't need you. And, you know, there was division there, too, and, and during the American Revolution, because some people say, hey, just go with the status quo. You know, you know, we got it kind of pretty good. You know, no, you don't have it good. When you lose your freedom, you do not have it good, my friend. When you lose your liberty, you do not have it good. When someone is dictating to you, And putting upon you more than you can afford out of your paycheck. No, that's not good. And finally, shopkeepers and and bakers and and blacksmiths and bankers and different people said, we've had enough. But there was a fight even then because there was a divided camp. Oh, you know, we shouldn't do this. Shouldn't do what? Have your children under tyranny? Have your children being told that they can't go to church and and can't worship God? Why did we come here to America? Tell me, why did we come here? We came here for freedom because we didn't have that freedom in England. We didn't have that freedom to worship our God and to love our Jesus and to read our Bibles. That's why we came to the shores of America. And they're still trying to take that away from us. Still. Like they have power. Listen, I want to tell you something. You, you start fighting against the hand of God. You're in trouble, my friend. When you start fighting against the hand of God and against the word of God, you're putting your boxing gloves on with deity. And he has never lost a battle. The Bible said he's a man of war. These people don't understand that. They don't understand that. We need ministers to stand up behind the sacred desk and tell their people. I live by faith. I vote by my faith, praise God, not what society is telling me to do. Praise God. Can you say praise the Lord? Praise the Lord. <laughs> he said unto her, he promised her, and he says, what shall I do for you? You know what that means? How can I be of help? Oh, boy. That, that's a phrase you don't hear too often. <laughs> a willingness to help and relieve her of this distress. A willingness. Tell me. Tell me, trust me with it. Confide in me. He strikes a conversation with her, a conversation of communication, of care and concern. He's saying to her, please inform me of your dilemma and trust me with it so I can see how I can help you. Didn't Jesus say when someone needs help, go the extra mile with them? If they need your coat, give them your coat. This is a society, it's mine. Honey, you don't own anything. You ain't taking nothing with you. My mom used to say there's no pockets in the coffin. I learned that when I was a kid. Everything's going to be left behind. People aren't willing to help people. Listen, if you have people in your life that's willing to help you, you're blessed. I want to tell you that right now. You're a blessed person. I mean, within, want to help you with intention. Caring, not, not just out of duty. Saying, you know, not a problem. When you have those kind of people, you hold them close to your bosom. And when they need help, you get close to their bosom also. You hear what I'm saying this morning as your pastor. What shall I do for thee? How can I be effective in your life? How can I be effective in your life? Praise God. What can I accomplish for you? How can I help you? And he says, what hast thou in the house? You know something? Sometimes very little. Sometimes people have very little in their house. 
Sometimes they have very little encouragement. That's right. Because they're trying to live their faith by themselves because other people in their home have not come to the place of Christ. It's a lonely spot. It's a lonely spot to, to be a, the Christian. And it's, a, it's a lonely spot to, to maybe see your children that they're, they're, they're wayward and there's, there's no encouragement there. There's nothing, nothing going on. And, and you're living in, the, in, a, in a house and, and you're wondering, man, when, when's my kids going to come back to the Lord? He was saying, how can I be effective for you? What, what do you have in your house? You know, sometimes it's, it's just five loaves and two fishes. And sometimes it's very limited what we have to offer God. I don't care how great a Christian you are this morning. We all get to the place where we're driven to our knees. And sometimes it's hard to even get a prayer up to the ceiling. Hear what I'm saying? That's why my pastor, he, he taught me, he said, you know, son, he says, do your praying now. Store some prayers up now. Because you might get to the place where you don't have the power or the strength to, to pray those prayers. But you got them stored before the Lord and the Lord's heard you cry. Amen. I learned that in the ministry. Amen. Put some, send some forward. You know, yeah. send some forward. <laughs> God, I'm here. I'm sending some forward just in case the, the day comes when I can't. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, when you're not feeling well, when you're sick and you're tired and you're weary and, you, and you've lost some encouragement. It's hard to get a prayer to the ceiling. Oh, I, I, I know people want to walk around like they're macho, like, like you're walking on water, like their name is Jesus, and their name isn't Jesus. Come on, my friend. Sometimes it's just downright difficult to be a Christian. Sometimes it's difficult to live the life because the warfare that comes against you is intense because the enemy never takes a vacation. The enemy is always on your heels. He's always, at, always trying to bite you. He's always trying to get you. Those little foxes get the vine. And he's always trying to attach himself to you. And when you find yourself in that low moment, man, you're just hoping that somebody, just somebody, is going to give you a word of encouragement. Not a prophecy. Not some big declaration. But say, how you doing? You need anything. Sometimes it's just someone listening to you, like this prophet is listening to this lady, and she says, well, he's, what do you have in your home? And she says, I have just a, a pot of oil. That's all she's got. She didn't say she had a loaf of bread. She didn't say she had peanut butter. She has nothing. Her husband died. She's in debt. Someone's coming for her kids. And all she has is a pot of oil, a small oil jug, and you know what that word means, oil? It means pressed out and reduced. Zero factor. That's where she was at emotionally. She was pressed out. She was reduced. She was at the zero factor. But how many knows that God could take nothing and make something out of nothing? Amen. How many knows that God could take the dust of the earth and form a man? How many knows he could take a rib out of the side of a man and make a woman? And sometimes when you're going through a hard trial, it's hard to recollect that. It's hard, it's hard to process that. And you need someone to help you to process it. You need someone to speak into your spirit to remind you of what God has done. You need that encouragement. And he said something really like out there. He said unto her, Go and borrow these vessels abroad of all thy neighbors, even empty vessels, and borrow not a few. Wow. He's asking this lady who is obviously 
and grief and torment and distress. And he's asking her to do something. See, go is an action word. It's a verb. Go. I, I want you to go do something. But, but I want to show you something. God was trying to speak to this woman and say, depart from the state that you're in right now. He understood the state she was in. He was a man of God. He had compassion. Because if he didn't want to deal with her, he would have just kept walking on. And he didn't. And he knew her state. He knew that she was reduced. He, she, she knew. But he was, he was saying to her, when he said the word go, it means to depart or proceed. And he was trying to say to her, listen, there's a plan. Trust me. You know, sometimes you have to look into the eyes of a person and say, God has a plan. And sometimes I'll tell you the truth. We don't know what that plan is. We have no clue. Sometimes as a pastor, I've had to look into the eyes and the face of a person crying tears and say, honey, I don't know the plan. But I'm willing to fight with you. And I'm willing to pray with you. And whatever that plan is, God will reveal to us however long it takes. But when you show sincerity to someone, when you show them your heart, when you show them intention... When you're telling them, I'm going to do this for you, and we're going to do this together, it gives a person hope. You don't just leave them out there on the ledge and say, you know what? You're on your own. No, no, we're not on our own. We're, we're a body. That's why Jesus created churches, because he put people together. He put people together to help one another, not to be lone rangers. And he said, go. And he says, go borrow. <laughs> this is... This is a woman that has to go knock on doors now. This is humility. This is embarrassing. You, you know sometimes when you go ask someone for help, it's, it's, it's kind of embarrassing sometimes that you need help. Especially if people look upon you and they think you're such a strong Christian that, that nothing is going to crumble you, that no wind is going to blow on you. Well, what's wrong with you? You're a pastor. You shouldn't talk like that. Really? Look at the greatest men of God in the Bible that, that, that wilted under pressure, under distress. What are you, what are, what are you talking about? What are, what are you saying here? Moses was so tired, he had to have two men hold up his arms. Elijah sat under the juniper tree, asked for a coconut to hit him on the head and kill him. What, what are we talking about here? Are we serious? This is no time for being some kind of super spiritual Christian. There's no time when, when someone needs your help to, to go to the little promise box and, and pull out one of the promises from the little bread thing that people used to have on their tables and here's a promise of God and throw a scripture at them? No. It's time to put our arms around people. It's time to hear the cry of the human heart. It's time to speak into the spirit of someone, especially when they're in grief and distress and trouble and affliction. That's what we're supposed to do. And he said, go borrow, which means to go seek. Go ask a favor of your neighbors. Do you have any empty jugs? And what are the vessels? They're receptacles. But listen to what the word means. And this is so beautiful, the word of God. I just love to study it. The word vessels means to accomplish something. It means to be determined. It means to fulfill. It means to finish and complete. It means don't faint. When he told her, listen to me, woman, this is what God is saying. And she's listening to him because she trusts him as a man of God. We never want to lose our, our trust with each other. 
Trust is hard to get back. You know that. We never want to lose trust among us as Christians, especially in the house of the Lord. And he was saying to her, don't faint. Have determination. I know it's humiliating to go knock on doors and ask your neighbors because they're going to ask you a question. What do you need jugs for? And they're not going to understand that there's a prophet of God in your house that has a plan of action that you don't know yet. All you know is he told you to go borrow vessels. But listen to what God is trying to say. We are those vessels that God wants to fill with his spirit. And we are those vessels that God is saying to us, I want you to be continually determined. I want you to finish the race. I want you to complete it. I don't want you to faint. I want you to mount up as wings as eagles. Praise God. That's what God is saying to the church today. We are the vessels that God wants to fill with the oil of gladness and with the power of the Holy Spirit. He wants to pour out his spirit upon us as vessels. Because sometimes we're empty. I said, sometimes we're empty. Sometimes spiritually, we don't have two nickels to rub together. Because we're empty. Because we're at our wit's end. He said, go borrow them abroad. Listen carefully. There's so much meaning in these verses. Abroad means outside. And I want to bring it to the spiritual level. Sometimes we have to go outside ourselves, listen, and find help through God and those he sends our way to help us. It's the other in our life. It's the Holy Spirit. You see, sometimes we're so determined to want to solve our own problems with our own intellect, with our own whatever we think we have going on for us, but that doesn't work. Because God is saying, go abroad, go outside yourself. That's why you needed Christ to forgive you of your sins. You had to go outside yourself because you couldn't forgive yourself of your sins. You needed a savior. And so is there anything different when we live the Christian life? We still need the other in our life more now than ever. That's what we have to teach our children. To learn to listen to the voice of the other in their life as they grow up. What's God saying? God's saying the other in our life and then those that he sends to us to help us because there's going to come a time, my friend, when we're all going to need some help. We're all going to have to sit down and comfort one another. We're going to have to get out a box of tissues sometimes and, and give it to the person that we're, we're ministering to and listening to because they have tears and there could be a woman in distress. There could be a man in distress. Praise God. And, and, and he said, what did, what did he say to her? He says, Go, go to your neighbors, go abroad, even empty vessels. Listen carefully. The word empty vessels means vain men. Follow closely. It means empty, idle, and worthless. That's how God found us. That's how God found us. Empty. Oh, you, you might have been working and doing everything in life and whatever. But there was something on the inside of you that was missing. And if you watch people, they, they, they try to soothe what's missing on the inside with something from the outside that's not God. You, you know what I'm talking about. So they can forget. And, no, you, no, he's going to bring you back. When you come off the high, you, you're going to come back to planet Earth and you're going to have to deal with it. 
Hear, 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 hear what God's saying here. He, he's saying this. He's saying this is who we were. This is how he found us. And he saved us from an idle and useless life. We were useless without God. Also, people say, well, you know, uh, I'm a self-made man. He, you, you, you're not a self-made man because God owns all the wealth. <laughs> Don't ever say that. Don't ever say what you think you've accomplished without him. Give him the glory and give him the honor. So this is what God is saying. Even during our Christian experience, when we are empty, we have to empty ourselves out. Because here, John, John the Baptist said that, that he has to increase in our lives and we have to decrease. And in order to get refilled with God, you have to empty out. And God is trying to move some of these things out of our lives, out of the church, out of our nation. He's trying to say, listen, I want purity. I want holy. I want a holy people, a holy priesthood. I want people that are sanctified and separated unto me. And God is trying to empty us of those things that are getting in the way. When we especially get tired and weary, God says this is a great time to become empty of some things that are not good for you. He says borrow not a few. What does that mean? It means don't borrow just a few. No small amount. Listen closely because God has a message here. The word few means to diminish and to make small. And you know, sometimes we limit God and we play small. Sometimes our vision becomes cloudy because we don't think that God can. I had a wonderful lady in my life who was my deputy superintendent of programs. And you know, I had a lot of experience in life and church world and whatever. I thought, what could this lady teach me? And she became a mentor to me. And she used to tell me, she said, Rev, you're playing small. Quit playing small. That's what she would say, you're playing small. You're limiting your vision of what God wants to do through you. This, this, this is my boss. <laughs> this, this is my boss. This is the same lady that came into my office one day with a piece of paper and said, this is the title of a book that you're going to write. That's right. I wrote it. It's going to get printed here shortly. She said, this is the title of the book that you're going to write. The title. She gave me the title. I looked at it. I said, what are you talking about? Don't play small. She used to remind me of that. You're playing small. God wants to use you with your talents, with your gifts, and give him the glory. It's my boss. In a secular world who prompted me, who mentored me. I'm all, I was older than her, but yet I love working for her because she challenged people. She wasn't intimidated if someone was smarter than her or had a better idea than her. She accepted it. It was amazing. You find very few people in life that you can meet that can spur you on that way. And it said, after you collect these vessels in verse 4, and when thou art come in, thou shalt shut the door upon thee and upon thy sons, and thou shalt pour out into all these vessels, and thou shalt set aside that which is full. Now again, this is a very important verse because look what it says. When we look at the word and he says, come in, 
And when thou come in, we just think, okay, I, I, I'm just going to go into the door and then enter into my house again with these empty vessels. But look what it means. It means to enter and come with someone and not alone. Stop right there. She had the vessels. He's telling her to go back to your house and open the door, but don't go alone. It means to fall upon or attack the enemy. You, 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 are you getting the picture here? She's got these vessels and the prophet of God is trying to say to her and speak to her spirit. We are going to have victory because when you walk into that house with those vessels, we are attacking the enemy and you're coming in with God on your side. That's what this means. We're going to attack the enemy because you're coming in with the Lord and we're going to come in with victory and we're going to fall upon the enemy and be victorious through the Lord. That one word, come in, those two words, that's exactly what that means in Hebrew. We're going to win. That's what it's saying. We're going to win. And he's spurring her on. He's inspiring her. And, and she's listening. She's not fighting him. She's not stubborn. She's not saying, well, I don't know about all this. And let me think about it or let me pray about it. No, she's a woman in distress. And she needs some help. And someone stopped by that God said to say, I will help you. I will help you. And then he said to her, shut the door. Shut the door. Because we're going to attack and we're going to fall upon this enemy. And you will see victory here in a few moments. Shut the door. You know what that means? It means close the door and surrender to God. Minus the interruptions and minus the distractions. Put it out. You know, sometimes, I know you ladies work hard in your homes. Children and grandchildren keep your homes going and working and doing all what you do. And I'm not saying that men don't do that. Of course they do. Men have their place. Men men go to their shop. Men go out hunting. Men men do to get get relief. And and sometimes a woman needs space. Sometimes a woman needs to to get away. Sometimes she has to, the routine is just immense sometimes. And the routine today with with children and feeding and doing all these things and and people working and and so on. Sometimes you got to shut the door and say, Hey, I need, I, I need some time. And, and that might be going down to the coffee shop and sitting there by yourself if you have to and having a cup of coffee and saying, oh, I got some peace and quiet right now. It's not that you don't love your kids and you don't love your family. It's like sometimes you just got to get away. And men do that. We do it in a different way. We get on our tractors and we go mow grass. And some people say, well, how come you like to mow grass? Because I'm by myself and I, I could think, I could pray. My wife understands that. When I say I'm going up to the shop and she sees me sitting on the step of the shop, she knows what I'm doing. She knows I need space. She says, go. She knows when I come down here, she says, I, I know what you need. I, you just don't worry about it. I say, if you need me, you call me. She says, I want you to go. I want you to go do what you have to do for God. It's understanding where a person's coming from. And, and, and you know, sometimes one of the little girls was my granddaughter. She has a shirt on today. I need some space. <laughs> need some space. You know, sometimes we need some space. Sometimes we got to dote over ourselves. Now you hear what I'm saying? You know? Sometimes a man has to give his wife a little bit of money and say, just go get your nails done. Whatever you got to go do. Have a good time. There's nothing wrong with that. Because we need relief. 
That's what I look at church. Church is Sabbath. Church is a place where I could come and, and get renewed, where I can be re-inspired. So here, here's what God's saying. Listen, listen to what God is saying. Shut the door. Okay, give over to his will. You know, what, what does the Bible say? Uh, and, and upon thee and thy sons. Now, how many is that? Upon her and two sons is how many? It's three, right? So what does the Bible say in Matthew 18, 20? King James Version says, for where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. But look what it says in the message version. I love this. And when two or three of you are gathered, are together because of me, you can be sure that I'll be there. Oh, come on now. You can be sure I'll be there. This is what Elisha was saying to the woman. I'm here. I'm here with intention. I'm making a promise to you that I'm not leaving until you get relief and help. Oh, boy. This is what Jesus is saying. That's the other in our life. And he's saying, when two or three of you gather together, say, I'm here right here with you. Sometimes we lose sight of that individually, that we need other people, the other two or three around us to remind us Amen. he's here. Right. We'll see you through. Okay, follow. And, she, and what did he say for her to do? He said, pour out unto those vessels and set aside that which is full. You know, what does it mean to pour out flow? Take, take what you have in that one oil and, and just keep filling up everything. You know, God, God's going to replenish. God, God, God's going to fill up all the vessels that you collected from your neighbors, okay? And then he says, I want you to set them aside when they're full. And what does that mean? When it's accomplished. You see that determination that she had to go find those vessels? He was saying to her, this is determination. We're, we're, we're going to come to a place of closure. We're going to come full circle here. You're not going to lose your sons, okay? You're going to pay this debt, okay? And, and, and the word full means to be completed. It, mean, it means to consecrate. It means to be armed. See, now she's got, she's got a weapon that someone cannot fight against because she has the power to pay the debt now. That's the armor. God, gave, God is giving her the armor. You can't take my sons because guess what? I'm calling the loan in myself, and I'm giving you the money for this loan so you can't touch my kids. This is what God is saying. When you look at the verses, when you look at uh, all the, the translation and so on, God was saying to her, now you're armed, and you're going to be satisfied in your soul with the conclusion of the matter. When God fills us with the Holy Spirit, it's the same thing. He completes us. He consecrates us for his armed service. Praise God. And satisfied, praise God, that we can defeat the powers of evil and darkness because we are soldiers in the army of God and he arms us with a weaponry. Praise God. The weapons of our warfare, praise God, are destructive against the kingdom of darkness. <laughs> and God satisfies us with that. Amen. He said... In Acts 2.17, and it shall come to pass in the last days, say, God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. I will pour out. God wants to fill us. God has unlimited abilities. God is not limited in his abilities. He's not limitless. He says, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men dream dreams, and on my servants and on my handmaidens, I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. Paul the Apostle reminded the church at Corinth in 2 Corinthians 4, 7, but we have this treasure, the Holy Spirit in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. <laughs> That's the other in our life. The Holy Spirit 
that has filled us. We were the empty vessel that God knocked on our door and found, friend. Come on. Don't you understand what God is saying? He found an empty vessel. We were were idle. We were worthless. We were useless until we came to Christ. But now, praise God, we are the children of God. We are the sons and daughters of God. We are the priesthood of God. Hallelujah. We are the apple of his eye. Praise God. We are his beloved. Oh, how things changed. So what happened? So she went from him, see, and she shut the door upon her and upon her sons who who brought the vessels to her and she poured out. God has limitless flow. He has flow without measure. It says in John 3.34, For he whom God sent speaketh the words of God, for God giveth not the spirit by measure unto him. Jesus had unlimited power, unlimited spirit. He was God. He was omnipotent. And so he wants to give similar to us and fill our vessels. And so what happened in verse 6? And it came to pass when the vessels were full that she said unto her son, Bring me yet a vessel. And he said unto her, There's not a vessel more. And the oil stayed. Now let me just stay here for a few moments before I close. What does the word stayed mean? In Hebrew, it means to stand, it means to remain, it means to abide, endure, persist, continue. It means to take one stand. And this is what God's calling us to do, to take a stand. And it's not always going to be easy to do that, my friend. It's going to cost us sometimes not to compromise. But it means to be in a standing attitude. It means to be steadfast. And the oil stops, listen, when the vessel is not available. We have to continually become a vessel that's available to God because the oil stopped when she ran out of vessels to pour the oil in. You're the vessel. And the oil will stop in our lives, and it has stopped in a lot of people's lives because they've given up. They've given up praying. They're so discouraged that things didn't go the way they wanted it to go that they have been discouraged in their spirit and they're not allowing God to, praise God, fill their vessel. They're walking around empty and that God wants to stop them and knock on their door once again. And they're Christians. But God says you need a refilling. You you, you need something because you're not the same. You've changed over a series of months. And that's what's happened to the church in America. People got so discouraged that People prayed and fasted. I understand all that. I did the same. So it didn't work out the way we expected at that time. At that time. So what should we do? Should we just fold our tents and give up and go home and cry, baby, and say, shut the door and say, I don't need God anymore because this is not working? And that's what's happened to a lot of people. Well, God didn't answer our prayers. God didn't come through. Oh, wait a minute. Let your vessel be open to God and available to the Lord because he must increase And I must decrease, John the Baptist said. God said in Philippians 4.19, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. What does the word supply mean? In Greek, it means to make full. It means to fill to the full. It means to cause to abound, to furnish or supply liberally, thoroughly permeated with lacking nothing. I abound. I am liberally supplied to fill on the top that nothing shall be wanting to full measure, filled to the brim. You don't pour half a cup of coffee or half a cup of tea. Fill it because you want to enjoy it. 
You fill it to the brim. God is saying something here this morning, and I want to close with some encouraging verses. Then she came and told the man of God, and he said, go, again, action. Sell the oil, pay the debt, and live thou and thy children of the rest. What was he saying to her? I told you I'd help you. I told you that. And I give glory to God, Elisha was saying. Now go pay the debt, because you've got armor now. You're armed. Call it in and say, here's your money. Don't bother my kids. And then she said, he said to her, and then live off the rest. God was so blessed to give her enough so that she could live off the rest and have comfortable life with her sons. She can go buy the peanut butter and the jelly and whatever, the loaf of bread, what she needed because the man of God came through for her. What is God saying here? Go pay the debt means to be in a covenant of peace. You, know, you all know when you pay off a credit card or a debt, you know how good that feels, right? You know, sometimes we, we do foolish stuff. We, all of us have gotten into debt at times. You know, we, we, that plastic card has a lot of power sometimes. But you know, it's good when we start paying it off, isn't it? It's good when we say, okay, God, I got the message now. All right, just give me the power. Give me the, give me the armor. And one by one, whatever it got to be, I, I might have to sell a pot of oil here and there. Might have to have a yard sale. Might have to, whatever, whatever it takes and work a little extra, but we're going to pay this off. And it's a covenant of peace because now, you know, the borrower is servant to the lender. And when you get the lender off your back, the noose is not on your neck no more. And so the word supply means to, to furnish or supply liberally. And then he says, go sell the oil and be in peace, to live in peace. And what does the word live mean? It means to revive from discouragement or faintness. That's what the word live here means in, in, the, in the Hebrew. It means to have life again, to revive from discouragement or faintness, to be quickened in your spirit like Christ did for us when he saved us, and to be restored to life or health. Boy, I know this lady lost her husband, and that was sorrowful. But what a relief it must have been when she found out that she could keep her kids and they're not going to go into slavery and be uh, owed to the creditors. And now she has enough to, to live and, and be at peace. You know, friends, you always hear me say there's two places that we should always try to strive for peace. That's our home and in our church. And it's important. Let me close with these verses. Psalm 34, verse 1. You're familiar. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. O magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. They looked unto him and were lightened and their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him and delivereth them. O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. O fear the Lord, ye his saints, for there is no want to them that fear him. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. And closing, Paul the apostle, excuse me, uh, the psalmist said in Psalm thirty-four, nineteen. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth him out of them all. Hallelujah. A woman in distress, 
And God gave her peace because the man of God was willing to stop by and obey God and say, ma'am, how can I be of service to you and how can I help you? We have no idea when someone lifts the burdens from us. We have no idea sometimes when someone helps us get something done and we go home that night and sit in our chair or have a nice dinner and say, wow, that's a relief that that has been completed. Hey, if you have a friend like that, if you have someone in your, in your, uh, on your side uh, who does that for you, I, I have Brother Joe. I, I wanted to say something about Joe. Joe. Joe's been a faithful brother to me for a long time. And Joe watches over me like he's, a, he's like a mother hen. That's what he is. And he makes sure that, that, that the pastor and his wife is taken care of. And he always tells me, I got your back. And he does. And he proves it. Because he comes through for me. He doesn't just make a promise and say, well, I'm going to forget it. He does what he says too. And I, got a, I have a son like that. And, and there's other people. And, and uh, my son-in-law and... and there's men in this church here, John, and who's helped me immensely, and Freddie. I can't say enough about the men in this church that, that have been a blessing to me. And I, I hold you close to my bosom. I really do. Because you, you, you have no idea how it is when you get older. And you, and you just, some things you just can't deal with. Some, some things are just beyond you. I, I never learned to do some things. And when someone comes into your life and relieves you of that burden, you, you go back to your house and you say, oh God, thank you. Just thank you for that person. Lord, bless them. Help them. Open up the windows to them. And, and, and Lord, because they, they're there all the time. Whatever you need them. I, I know that I can call you guys in the church in the middle of the night. And I know that you get out of your bed and not say a word about it and say, I'll be there in a moment of a twinkling of an eye. And I know that. And I know the ladies in this church. We have faithful ladies. You know, listen, this is a unique church. And I'm, I'm not trying to take more time here. I preach my sermon. This is a, a unique church. When I explain this church to people... I, I, I tell people that this is a social service church. We have people that work in our community. We have people that love other people. We have people that will drop everything they're doing to go help another person. That's the kind of church that we have. And we're teaching our children to do the same thing. We're teaching our children and our grandchildren to do the same thing. And we got some good workers in this family. We got some of these kids. that They, they work hard. They, we put them to work. So, Father, I, I want to thank you for friendship, for loyalty. I want to thank you for this story about this woman in distress because sometimes, God, we're there. <laughs> and, and we're there in America right now. And I just pray for people that will listen to this sermon or to watch it, oh God, that you would relieve them, that you would send someone into their life, and, and, and God especially, and that you would send the other, the Holy Spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ to help them. And send them help. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. God bless you and thank you for listening this morning.